It is hard to believe there's only 72 days left in this year. For many of us, 2020 has been quite the challenge, not just with the pandemic, not just with businesses closing down, but more specifically with our lack of fitness and the lack of interest in our nutrition plans. For a long time, I let myself slide and probably just like me, you've let your nutrition go. Maybe you're back at the box, but man, this nutrition is hard to get reeled back in. Well, we've got a solution for you. Own Your Eating has two new challenges starting on November 2nd. And with Halloween around the corner, you're going to have all this candy at home. Who knows what's going to happen, whether there will be trick-or-treaters or whether there won't be. But once that Halloween candy goes on sale, it's hard to resist. So what we're telling you is our new challenges start November 2nd, which means you can start signing up as early as this week. And these challenges are so different than your standard challenge because instead of putting the pressure on yourself to drop 10 pounds in 30 days, what if you just use this challenge as a jumping off point to get a better handle on your nutrition, especially as Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, the new year start to roll in. You can educate yourself with daily content from me, from Roz, from the Own Your Eating team, and gradually improve your behavioral awareness around food. All of a sudden, dialing in your nutrition doesn't sound so daunting. We firmly believe that it's important to just take each day as it comes. And if one day doesn't go so well, no big deal. You haven't failed. Just get back at it tomorrow. You'll get support from me. You'll get support from Roz. And you'll get support from our amazing groups. And the truth is, we run these challenges regularly. No one's ever perfect but everyone still gets great results. You have to drop your expectations about outcomes and stop pinning all of your hopes on the outcomes. That's not what drives results. It's actually what ruins them. Focusing on behavioral changes one at a time and becoming consistent with that habit is actually what drives the results. On your eating is all about mindset. It's not cookie cutter. It's not you have to be perfect. It's not crazy nutrient timing, carb this, protein that. It's small habitual changes that make for long lasting, sustainable results. And that's exactly what these challenges are all about. We actually have two challenges out there. We've got our 30 day transformation challenge, and we've also got our get lean challenge. It really just depends on where you are on your macro journey, but both challenges will help give you assistance with determining your macros, You'll get a private supervised Facebook group, video education, ebook, meal planning templates, daily workouts, daily motivational content, and daily education from both me and Roz. So if you're interested in regaining control of your nutrition, you can click on the link. I'll provide it in the show notes. It's a little bit long, but it's app.sugarwad.com forward slash marketplace forward slash own your eating. I know that's a little lengthy, so I'll put it in the show notes if you're interested. And if you use the code best hour, B-E-S-T-H-O-U-R, best hour, all caps, you'll save 10%. Of course, if you have any questions, you can DM me at best hour of their day. You can email me best hour of their day at gmail.com. But here's the deal. This works. You just have to do it, but we're here to support you. And it's not too late to still make 2020 great as far as your nutrition goes. So let's get it dialed in, enjoy the challenge and make some long lasting sustainable changes. Go. 
All right, Jay, we're talking about chapter 17 today. I can't believe we've made it all the way to chapter 17 already. <laughs> Wanting only, exciting. Just only halfway. We still have a, a lot to go. I know. We got halfway to go through this book, and the listener is only halfway as well at this point. So we're all just powering through together. <laughs> Maybe they're taking it probably one day at a time also. Maybe. That'd be a pretty cool way to do it. So today, chapter 17 Really, the main focus is about you and your relationship with a former coach at Albany CrossFit, Brett. Uh, can you go into a little bit about how you met Brett and those early days and who he is? So, Brett was the first coach that I hired. Like, he was truly my first employee. And way back in the day, there was a message board on CrossFit. It was pretty well used. And I remember finding CrossFit and shortly after kind of, you know, signing up or, or joining the forum. And that's really where you communicated, hey, I'm in Albany. You know, anybody in the New York area do CrossFit? Like, that's how few people do CrossFit. And, and one day, Brett gets on there and he's like, hey, I'm in Clifton Park, which is, you know, not wait, if not Clifton Park, you might have been in Bethlehem, actually. You know, but nevertheless, you know, one of the surrounding towns of Albany. And at the time, I had just really dove into CrossFit, and I was teaching a plyometrics class that I was morphing into CrossFit as I was opening the box. So it was kind of like a gateway to the box. And Brett started coming to it, and you know he was a great athlete. And then the day we opened, he was there coaching the 5:45 a.m. class. Wow, so that's pretty cool. So 2006, I think, in possibly the fall. You're offering the plyometrics class, which is like a CrossFit light class at yeah. the core club. And I had been doing that for years, you know. So, you know, the, the idea of the CrossFit training and methodology wasn't unique to me. You know, growing up wrestling and jujitsu, like it's it it was some some of the principles were being used. And I used to teach plyometrics way back in like ninety-eight, ninety-nine at the Y in downtown Albany when I was in college. So, you know, it it wasn't for time. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, there weren't thrusters involved, but there were sprints and box jumps, you know, and bear crawls. So it was like that type of class. But it was a lot of fun. We had a, a great group of people. And, and it just goes to show you can start something big off of something small. You know, just this random class that you're teaching all over the place turned into essentially Albany CrossFit. You know, this also goes back to what we talked about the other day with meaningful versus unique, because there are plenty of times I think about, you know, I was basically doing CrossFit. Had I just decided to quantify it and make it measurable, observable, and repeatable, you know, all of a sudden I'm a billionaire founder of, you know, Jay's plyometrics. Cause, cause really at the end of the day, that's what coach Glassman did. He took something, you know, he didn't recreate the wheel. These were movements we were all doing give or take a handful, you know, at least they were, they're functional movements. They've been around. But then he just said, hey, we're going to slap a time element to this and we're going to make it a little competitive, which I was doing. You know, there were plenty of races going on, but, you know, it, uh, it shows, hey, you took something and you made it a little more meaningful. We could all be doing or have Body by Jay affiliates <laughs> right now. <laughs> with the, the, I, can, I can picture it with the same CrossFit impact bold font, you know, uh, just the white <laughs> letters. You should make, you should make a replica crossfit-esque t-shirt but it have it say body by jay like a throwback like if yeah. you go on like 
probably if you're listening to this and I say this, it's going to pop up on your feed. But if you, I, I was going to say, like, if you go on Facebook and the ads, all, all of the ads for me, some, some days are like 80s t-shirts references. So, you know, that's what it would be. Now everybody's going to, it's like you talk about it. If you just hear it, pops up in your um, ad feed these days. Yeah. Well, I mean, the government is listening right now to this <laughs> conversation. And it, it's funny because at Albany Cross, we had so many t-shirts that were 80s throwbacks. Like we had the Grateful Dead skull and kettlebell shirt. That was my uh, favorite I, shirt. I have a couple of those still. And I, I also have like a bunch of Body by Jay stuff. I have a, I have a Body by Jay hat. And I, it's at my mom's house. And I was like, oh, I got to, next time I'm up there, I got to get that. I'm just going to mail it to you. Do you, do you want it? Do you want your Body by Jay hat? <laughs> I don't know why I have it. Why do I have it? <laughs> you can keep that, James. I think like, you know, I was trying even back then, you know, to show like, the evolution. I was making Body by J t-shirts and hats and even shorts and you know my clients might wear them, but you know it never took off to the to the way the way CrossFit took off. But still, you know you gotta you gotta always be pushing. But yeah, some of those t-shirts were great. Remember we had a ringer with the Kool Aid Man on it. Yep, that was so, a great shirt. Uh, oh, remember the um, uh, shadering shirt. <laughs> With the misspelled, <laughs> yeah, it's a misspeller. Oh man, check your spelling yeah. before making t-shirts. Yeah, there's, there's like, if you take away one thing <laughs> from this episode, if you're making a t-shirt, <laughs> check the spelling for your t-shirt guy, because it was supposed to be sh- say shattering the expectations and something else, and it said shattering, and no one noticed until a <laughs> hundred of them were printed, and everyone was wearing them. And I think, I think people were wearing that shirt at the gym. No one had any idea until one person read someone's shirt, like mid-wad. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not right. Yep, that's, that's, uh, that's what went down back in the day at Albany CrossFit. Lots of misspeaks. You know what, people, people still wore that shirt. Like, everyone was proud to wear that shirt. <laughs> so so let, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Um, let's talk about the, the dot-com forums. And I, I was listening to another podcast earlier today, and it's pretty – funny how people will reference the the dot-com website like and it's, i don't know if that's like a generational crossfit thing but there's some people who will say you know like hq site there's some people who will say crossfit.com some people say main site other people say dot-com so i'm always interested i'm like i'm like on you see different pockets of people who use different terminology it's like i wonder when they started and why they use that reference it's kind of funny No, that's an interesting thought. I don't know. I usually just say dot com, and I, which makes no sense because everything's a dot com. Yeah, but but in our world, there is only one dot dot com, and I know what you're saying. I say dot com. I don't say main site. That it would feel weird for me to say main site. I do think back in the day that was how I referred to it as main site. I think I say dot com just because the the people that I surround myself that's how they refer to it. But there's plenty of people, and I'm sure some of the listeners that don't even go to the, or maybe have never been to CrossFit.com. Yeah, which you should certainly check it out. It's a wealth of knowledge. And are, I, I wonder, are the are those old forums even still available? Are they still live? I think I like anything, yeah, I think it's probably like anything on the internet. If you dig deep enough, it's still there, but, but I'm not sure. But yeah, it was great. I mean, that was where I learned, you know, you've asked over the course of these interviews where you learned some things. You know, how to make rings back in the day, how to make slam balls, you know, ideas for coaching, really 
that forum was where you learned everything. Yeah. And you met people too. And that's how you met Brett. What, what, besides Brett, did you meet any other interesting characters from our shared path or Albany, Albany Crossroads past? Yeah, there, you know, this is probably an OA and I'm going to try to find, I think we made a video somewhere and we basically had everyone from the New York area came in to work out at the gym, like on one random Thursday. I don't say everyone, but it was like the who's who at the time of CrossFit, you know, celebrities back in the day, which were just people that were fit. You know, there was a girl named Jillian Muncie. She came to visit um, um, Jacinto. If you guys have been on CrossFit South Brooklyn, you know, Jacinto is like the 70, maybe now 80-year-old guy that still does CrossFit. Quite a few people came to take came to visit. We hit a really hard, long workout, like, you know, as was the standard back in the day. Went out to dinner, and uh, everybody headed home. It was fun. And so there's a, there's a uh, video we'll try to find out there, right, of that? Yeah, you know, that was so early on that I don't even know if we have a video of it. But, but I, you know, I fondly remember it, and it, it was really cool that, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine now in 2020 what it was like back then, but it was really like those were the only people in New York state doing CrossFit. You knew them all that everyone's on your, 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 uh, your phone list. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is, like you said, anybody else, yeah, I met Josh Murphy, you know, Murph's older brother. I met Lynn Pitts, someone who works for CrossFit to this day. So you, you, you the people you met back then, when you see them, like I see those two every once in a while, and you just have that kind of kinship of like we we were the we were the originals. Like there's a certain bond that we have over that. I get, I, I wonder on those old message boards, you know, because people used to keep like training logs on them too, I think. Oh uh, yeah. Board stuff. So it'd probably be pretty interesting to go back and look at some really old training logs and see those old workouts. Yeah, some people use the the boards as their training book. Like whether it was .com or whatever, whatever they were following, they would, cause you would have your own profile and you could just put a new post up of your workout. But that was also where you got ideas for workouts. Yeah. And now I know it's pretty cool. .com, they'll post the workout of the day and it's like every workout has its own little form attached to it where yes. you can comment and everyone posts their times for that workout. And uh, when they launched a new website last year, it was pretty cool. Glassman was all over it posting as well. You know, commenting, yeah. answering questions on the programming. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was It was fun to see that. He's still around doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if he's the one doing the, the full programming right now on, on CrossFit.com, but he definitely had a big influence in the beginning of, of last year when they relaunched. And you could definitely tell. You're like, oh, this is right out of his old.com, well, out of his old.com, you know, uh, uh, logbook. Yeah, very basic but great you know elegantly programmed workouts so brett he's coming to the plyometric classes you open he's your first coach day one so day one you had a 5 a.m class and he's 545. coaching 545 and now uh are you are you paying him off the bat or is he just coaching uh just for a membership like how is that working out day one well, well for one but i think the reason we went with 545 even was because that was the time the court club opened Oh, okay. So, you know, we, we, we opened at the same time they did, obviously, because we were inside. Um, no, there was no money exchanged, I don't believe. 
you know, I'm going to do my best to remember all the details, but I'm pretty sure there was no money exchanged. And, you know, he just had full reign of working out. Obviously he would always stay and work out after which, you know, and for him at the time, that was a really big deal. Like there, there wasn't this type of equipment at any Globo gym and it was hard to get and expensive. So, you know, while I don't recommend bartering with your coaches back then, you know, that was a pretty valuable commodity, if you will. Um, but he, he also had reign to basically do whatever he wanted at 545, whatever workouts, whatever, you know, and anything that he wanted to do, he could do. And that, that's what sparked some problems in your relationship in the future. Cause from on day one, you mentioned in the text, he tells you up front that he eventually wants to open up his own gym. You know, he sees what you're doing. He loves CrossFit. He's all in to a point and he wants to open up that future gym and you were okay with it. You need someone there at 5:45 AM that way you can sleep in and, and he's going to be there coaching it. But now you have essentially two different gyms under one banner. He's got his own workouts that he's programming and you're doing, I'm assuming different workouts in the evenings. Uh, did you guys talk at all about the programming or, Hey, this is what we should do tomorrow. I'm going to do Fran tomorrow. So that means maybe you should do Fran the next day. Like how did that work out? You know, I, I think we talked about it a little bit, but at the time it was so unorganized. It was just, you know, like I've said in the other episodes, I would come in and kind of just slap a workout on the board. So there were times I, I remember coming in and seeing what he did because it would still be on the whiteboard. And meanwhile, it was like this small little, you know, crappy whiteboard you would buy at Office Max. So it's like this little whiteboard that we nailed to the cement wall and he would put a workout up there and I would oftentimes just keep it or I would adjust it or I would completely change it. But I mean, Brett's a smart dude when it comes to CrossFit. He wasn't like, he was actually way ahead of the game and way smarter than I was as far as programming smart and short, you know, well thought out workouts versus me slapping, you know, 10 movements on the board. I was still trying to appease that audience of, well, I need to do cardio. I need to go longer where Brett was already ahead of the game thinking about, okay, intensity. And then, and going back to what you said, it's funny, as you said it, I was like thinking, because yeah, he did tell me right away that he wants to open his own box. But honestly, in my head, because opening the box was so hard for me, you know, and, and, and looking back, not that it was like hard, but it was like, I knew that it was every last dollar I had. I knew that I was giving things up. I never truly believed that he was going to do it for some reason. Like I was like, this is harder than he thinks it is to start. And I was like, I'm not concerned. And he, I felt like no one else is going to do this in the entire world. Like that's how hard the only was. CrossFit gym. It's just all yeah. CrossFit and, and, and the original CrossFit gym. Well, you know, and at the time there's uh, 200 CrossFits. So it wasn't like they were popping up everywhere. It was like, sure, dude, you're going to be the other CrossFit in this town when there's only 200 in the world, you know, like whatever. But um, for some reason, I just, as you were saying that, I was like, why didn't I have any emotion attached to that? And I think it was because I just didn't believe that it would happen. What, what was he doing at the time? Like, was, was he just working like in a, a regular job? Was he an entrepreneur? I don't know Brett's background like that. No, honestly, after all these years, I couldn't tell you what he did. I know, I know it was something smart. He's a very smart dude. Um, and it was a, a good job because, you know, that was always what held him back. He had a really good job. He had a wife who we've talked about, Miwa. 
who, you know, eventually joined and went to the CrossFit Games as an athlete, and he had two sons. So I know, you know, you get to that point in life, and he was a little older than I am. So you get to that point where, like, I'm kind of stuck here. And I think a lot of people, that resonates, you know, and granted, stuck's not the best word. You have a, you know, great family. But I think you, for me at the time, I was like, I had a girlfriend. Like, it didn't matter. If I, if I don't put food on the table, it's only impacting me. Where all of a sudden, he, if he can't put food on the table, his kids are going hungry. Yeah, it's just you, your girlfriend, a couple pugs. Yeah, <laughs> very I, different. You got an apartment versus a house with a mortgage. Now let's let's do a little little role playing here, though. Uh-oh. What if you were if you were in Brett's shoes and you were in that type of situation where you've got a wife, you've got a couple kids, you've got that house with a mortgage, you've got a really well paying job, but you want to open up a CrossFit. So this is that wanting versus deciding. How how would you in that situation make that a reality? It go from wanting to deciding. Yeah, I mean it's obviously an unfair, you know, hindsight type of thing. Yeah. But I think one thing I've learned is, you know, you know, you hear that expression like life is short, and it is. And if you're stuck in a job, I mean your your career is the one thing in life that you're you spend the most waking hours doing. And if if you're not passionate about it and you're not excited about it, I don't know. I'm sure there's a dollar amount that would change my mind. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I if hate this job. If anyone's listening right now. <laughs> I hate this job, but I'm making, you know, $7 million a year. It's a different story. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's it's that fear of the unknown. But also it's, you know, I, I think, you know, say Brett was making $100,000 back in 2006, 2007. That's great money, obviously. But what's to say you can't do better than that? owning a gym like it's it's always that fear mindset where if, who knows Brett's a great coach if he would have left back in the day and opened the other box in the Albany area at the time you know he may be making more money but you know convincing a wife of that and potentially other family members who would be like are you crazy you're quitting your job you know you it's, it's not easy I can imagine you know back then I had very little empathy for it and I you know even less empathy for the fact that I'm like he got up at probably 4.30 every day because he lived like 20 minutes from the gym. And I was just like, you know, that sucker's got to get up early because he's got two kids, huh? His fault. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. You hear those stories every now and then, though, with like the CEOs who quit their job to go work in a coffee shop or like the millionaires who sell off all their shares and stocks and business and they just, you know, they, they do something more manual labor. So you want to be able to have some gratification out of the work that you're doing as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think about it so much and I've been lucky that I've, you know, don't get me wrong. There were days, not only at Albany CrossFit, even when writing this book or currently where it's like, why am I doing this? This is stressful. And I always think to myself, or the best example of that was way back when in the early two thousands, when I was teaching spin to some of those women and they were making me crazy. And I was like, this is miserable. And I'm making $15 an hour. And, but in my mind, I was like, the alternative is going into an office with a suit and tie on and sitting at a desk. Yeah. From nine to five. And yeah, you know, so, you know, I just can't imagine having to do something you absolutely despise and and hopefully no one listening has to do that. But if you do, you know, it's like you wake, you're sleeping for six to eight hours, you know, and then you're at work for eight hours. Like that's eight hours out of your 16 that you're awake. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I, su- I suppose 
you know, uh, one thing, one thing I've read on like advice on how to get out of that trap, so to say, is, okay, you got to go to the nine to five, but then you have all that time after five. So what are you doing to be productive with it? Like, are you going home and playing video games, watching The Bachelor and other shows, or are you going home and working on your side hustle that'll eventually turn into your main source of income and then you can actually live your passion and your dream? Yeah. And, you know, I listen to Gary Vee too. Like, I know we talk about, like, oh, I didn't know that's Gary Vee. I don't know. I don't know. That's, <laughs> you know, side hustle dash Gary Vee dash James McDermott. Um, there we go. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's tough because as you'll hear with this chapter, it's like, you, when does your side hustle become your hustle? That's, yeah. that's the challenge, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, even at times with Albany CrossFit and other things that I've done, like, I've faced that, like, you know, in deciding to move, you know, I had to face, can I work on Thunderbro on the side or does this need to become my full-time gig? And I had to, you know, rack my brain pros and cons or all, you know, there's, it's, it's hard. Cause then, you know, when else do you do things you enjoy? When do you train if you like it? When do you, you know, go on dates if you want to do that? So it's a challenge, but I agree yeah. with you. You gotta, you it, gotta be working can, towards it. It can be very difficult to, um, to find the time when you don't think you have the time, but it's like, all right, you got to be to work at 9 a.m. or, or something like that. So, you, what's what are you doing before that? Are you waking up at 4 a.m. like Brett, you know, and going to CrossFit, or you're, and then working on some other project on your one-hour lunch break? Are you just browsing Instagram, looking at nonsense, or are you writing that article for your blog that's eventually going to make you money someday? Who knows? Everybody wants to talk about doing these things. No one wants to do them. Yeah. So it's wanting, you want it, but you're not deciding to take action on it. Exactly. So let's, let's talk more about, about Brett. So he's coaching in the morning. He's almost deciding the programming for the gym. Uh, you're tweaking it a little bit in the evening. And eventually that 5.45 a.m. class takes on a life of its own. Uh, they dub themselves the morning mayhem. So now you have this like click growing in your your gym you know i don't know how often those 5 45 a.m people came in later in the day you know because probably they're getting in really early and going to work i don't know how often brett was coming to evening classes or you're going to that early morning class was there like a clear line of separation was there any kind of you know back and forth on the community getting to know one another yeah there was a clear line i mean for one i never went to that morning class so, and then it was very rare that Brett came in the evening, although he did once in a while. Um, and then there were some members that I probably never met. There's a handful, you know, that wound up kind of cross-pollinating, if you will, coming to evening classes, or maybe just the ones that reached out to me or showed up to events, like Joy, for example, who went on to open her own box. Uh, Laura Mirkovich, you know, Sasha, who we've talked about, his wife. You know, but that's because I would see her outside of there. Um, a handful of others would bounce around. There was a woman, Shannon. There was Mark, who now coaches at another box, you know, an older gentleman. Even even Mike, the teacher, was kind of one of the few that bounced to both classes. But but there was a handful that just, if you go to the 545 a.m. class, that's what you do. And maybe you'll show up on a Saturday morning, but even even that might be too late. Or Or those people are like Monday through Fridays and then weekends off. So... 2007 you open albany crossfit brett's the first employee you have essentially two islands set up within the gym uh, how long did it take before you guys started to really butt heads about things 
You know, it was probably... Two weeks. No, I was going to say, it might not have been overnight, but it was probably within the year, especially as I learned more. But, you know, and, and, and let's add one thing. All of the mistakes, I'm sorry, all of the butting heads were because of my mistakes, I should say, because I was a bad leader. Like, I thought I was doing the right thing. Hey, this is yours now, go. But really, like you said earlier, it's like setting myself up for failure down the road. I think things like, hey, when we started to have coaches meetings and he wasn't there, you know, and again, the lack of empathy, like this might be his time with his family or he had, does have a nine to five and he can't make it. When I did want to kind of gain control of the programming and make it synergistic across all classes, those were the times that we started to butt heads. And in fact, I would do my best. You know, there was a time where I, you know, led Brett's program for the box. I think that was probably the first step we made. And then, and then also when we did go to, the idea of payroll, which we didn't, you know, it didn't take that long, you know, just dealing with that. Cause now I'm paying you and I have different expectations for you. And you can sit down and lay out those expectations. What, what are like some just general expectations that an owner should have for their coaches? So I think a lot of people kind of get into this situation. You know, a lot of box owners I, I see out there, they have a part-time job on the side as, as well. So this, this CrossFit is their side hustle and they may need to have other coaches on staff when they have to work or to fill in from time to time, but they don't have any systems or operations. What, what, is, what are some things that box owners need to think about for expectations for coaches, employees? Well, the, the basics, right? Hey, show up on time. You know, uh, little things like if you have a uniform, like a specific attire, like whether it's a specific box t-shirt or just, hey, look like you're gonna work out, coach. Um, you know, be personable. There's little things like know how to handle drop-ins if you get to know how to handle a shirt sale if you need to. Yeah, the point you of know, sale. It's, uh, it, coaching is in rocket science, right? It's obviously to become a better coach and learn more, you have to really invest in yourself and, and learn. But the basics of, hey, show up, turn the lights on, make sure no one gets hurt type of thing. Yeah, and probably don't change the programming, you know, right, like things you know, like and, that. And, and that's what it came down to, those little things where Brett, for the most part, showed up on time. There was a period of time where I know he was pushing, you know, back what time he would show up. You know, you, you have the 5.45 a.m. class. You probably need to be there at 5.30 to, you know, let people in. He had a key to the core club if, if for some reason that person was running late. Um, so that got pushed back. But then, you know, I was maybe programming or, or one of us were programming. And then I'd come in and see the workout written on the board and it was different. And typically not in a good way. Hey, I'm sure we hit some bad workouts and too long, so he might have adjusted. But most of the time, and this was my biggest, you know, beef with them was it was just a silly change. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, it's it's like, funny oh, when you're the one doing the programming, it, it you'll lose your mind when people do stuff like that. Yeah, and and as the owner, like you just felt disrespected. Like this is a dig at me. Like you know, we're doing Fran today. Why did you change it, you know, from thrusters to deadlift? Like, why would you change the workout? Yeah. yeah. Programming is one of those weird things in, uh, in just all of fitness. Like, what do you think it is about programming in general that people just get so opinionated on? Like, like it, you'll, you'll see people who they just join a CrossFit box. And then, like, two months later, 
they have all these opinions on the programming and stuff. It's like, you don't even have your first muscle up yet. Like you've barely been doing this. You know, you're on the, you're on the limited two day a week membership, but it's like, what do you, what do you think? What, what just, what's so, what draws people into having just so many comments and thinking they know what they're talking about? I just don't I think, I think it goes back to one of our earlier chapters, simple, complex, simple. It's one of those things that in theory and from a distance looks very easy. Oh, slap these movements on the board, put some numbers on it, save for time, and you're good to go, right? But it's a lot more complex than that. And then I think from the other perspective, if you're the one doing the programming, chances are you're spending a lot of time, energy, and effort on it. So it's like a, you know, it's like a baby to you. And if someone's you know abusing your baby, you're going to get upset. So I think it works both ends. Like, hey, that looks good, but I can make it better. Right. That was probably Brett wasn't being malicious and that's how I took it. But he was probably thinking, hey, this is actually better. But, you know, it would go back to my statement that I would have to him like, cool. Why didn't you tell me that a week ago when I sent the programming out? Why are yeah, you waiting until? Yeah. You know, and again, I could have been better about that as well. In any of these chapters, if I'm pointing blame at anyone. Understand I'm also blaming myself, you know, because Brett's a real person. So if you're listening and you know Brett. You know, I don't want him to, you know, fly out to, to Colorado and start yelling at me. But, you know, it was just little things. It was it was the way we both communicated. We could have been much better at it. Yeah. And just to go back to that, um, the, the expectations with coaches and things like that. I know one of the policies that you had, and we still have it, is that uh, a coach would necessarily, we wouldn't want them to voice their opinion on the programming or things going on at the gym in a public way, like in the public right. forum. So if a member is complaining like, Hey, I hate that we're doing so much assault biking, you know, in the public forum as a coach, we wouldn't want you to like piggyback on that. Like, yeah, I think we should really cut back on all the assault biking. Or if there's comments at the gym, you know, either back up the gym, explain it in a positive way or redirect that member to let's say you, for example, the box owner. Uh, and I know at Albany CrossFit back in the day, we had a lot of problems with that, where it would just be a free-for-all on the programming uh, or like things going on at the gym or an event uh, and coaches would be involved as well. Was any of that going on here? Yes, big time. I mean, you nailed it. That was probably the biggest thing because I would hear it, you know, like he would talk to those people, but a handful of them, the ones I mentioned earlier, also had loyalty to me. And, you know, loyalty is not the right word. It's just gossip and it's, drama. It, sound, it sounds like game of thrones <laughs> there's, there's a lot of I'm, shadow shadow uh, talking in the shadows and walking through gardens i'm probably one of the you know 10 people that have never watched a game of thrones episode oh, so that my goodness. analogy is lost on me but yes i can imagine it's like you know two kings you know preparing to duel but um yeah there was a little bit of that i think you know so and it's like that undermining feeling that's exactly how it felt james it's like you're undermining me and, and, and that's partly like, and again, going back to the whole, when we began, like I definitely pitched my idea to him as like, Hey, this is almost like your own gym here in the morning. But then when he was doing that and, you know, little did I know we would grow and I would need to create these systems and protocols. So it's like, cool, this is my own space. But then all of a sudden I took it away from him. So I understand that, but I didn't know any, you know, back then it was like, who knew what this would become? Like, why can't you have your own little morning time group of people that do their own thing? Yeah, it's like, um, it was almost as if he was 
without paying renting the space from you, you know, like, like a regular personal trainer would. And, and I'll even tell you at one point before payroll got implemented at the gym, I had the morning mayhem crew and he was actually getting a percentage of those members. Okay. So, so, you know, he was making a good amount of money because that's like you asked earlier, how divided was it? It was divided enough that, you know, I had a list of people that basically only came and then the people that kind of split their time morning and other times he got a you know lower percentage of, but I remember that being a huge fight in that I had to go from, Hey, you're getting a percentage to now you're going on payroll. And Brett was a coach for, for quite some time, uh, at least five years. I mean, 2007, uh, 2013, you sold, he was still coaching, I believe in the morning, or maybe he had just left uh, late 2012, early 2013. Um, so that's, how did your relationship mend after these headbutting sessions and how did you get him back on track? And was it, or was it just still like a rocky road over those five years? Yeah, it was never, it's, it's always been rocky. It still is rocky. I mean, not that it's rocky now, like we don't see each other. I have nothing but positive things. And I don't think he'd have anything terrible to say about me either. You know, and I wish him nothing but the best. I see his lifts. He's a, you know, on social media, he's a phenomenal Olympic uh, weightlifter. But it was always just that awkward. Like, we, you know, the crew at Albany Cross for the six or seven of us, we just were so tight. He was like this outlier. And he just never, we were never friendly, I would say. Like, we were acquaintances, we were coworkers, colleagues, but not friends. Would you, do you think that maybe if you were at the 545 more frequently, like once every two weeks or something like that, or on a regular schedule, that it maybe would have been better? Like if you were taking his classes a little more often, you'd have that FaceTime. Yeah. Yes, James. I feel like if I would have gone to the 545, if I would have communicated better, if I would have, you know, set my expectations better, all those things, you know, and Monday morning quarterbacking. But, um, yeah, I think the easiest low-hanging fruit would have been like, hey, show up to that morning class once a week. Yeah, well, I or, mean, the, way, the reason I bring it up is because there's probably box owners out there that are in the same situation right now, and they're not getting to that 5.30 a.m. class. They're sleeping yeah, I, in. It, and they should be there on a, on a schedule. And I know it's hard, but you kind of have to do it. Yeah, if I were a box owner again, you have to show up to every coach at least once every two weeks. Maybe longer, you know, depending on how many classes and how many coaches you have. But, but yeah, you have to at least, you know, at a minimum show up and watch if you don't want to hit the workout. But, but be there. You know, I probably, especially back then when it was such a different community vibe at that time, I needed to show up more. But it, it's tough, like you said, whether it's a side hustle or maybe, maybe that 545 is the one class you have covered and you're the one at the gym till eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. It's not always easy to get up, but, but I would have made it a point to, to show up once, once every two weeks, I think is reasonable. Yeah. I think if it's on a reasonable schedule, you can definitely make it happen. And then, you know, you want to get more out of that time investment. So maybe you make that the time that you're going to evaluate their coaching and then give them some feedback because if that 5:30 AM, 5:45 AM coach is on an Island, at some point they're going to start to feel neglected and like they're not growing and you're not giving them that feedback. And they want that. They, they, they want that feedback. Hey, you can run your class a little better this way. This way I'd like to see when I see you in two weeks, I, I, I'd like to see this kind of an improvement. 
Yeah, it, now, like in retrospect, absolutely. Back then, there was minimal coaching development going on. I didn't know enough to develop anybody. I was developing myself. But yeah, nowadays, if you're the box owner and you have your, you know, level three, maybe your level two, or even something like your level four, you're the expert. You need to develop those coaches because, you know, Brett happened to be a very good coach. But if that morning person is newer, you know, maybe they got their level one just a few months ago. They, if you're not developing them, they, they're, they're stuck. They're going to hit a ceiling very quickly. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, their attitude may not be the best over time or members might just start to leave. They might start to seek out a better experience. Well, yeah, you have to, you have to realize like a lot of the coaches that are doing this for one or two hours a week, the part-time, like we've talked about their side hustle, they, they're doing it because they love it. You know, they have a full-time job. They've got a family at home. They, they're spending two hours of, you know, their, their 10 hours of free time a week coaching for you because they love it. They want to get better. And if you're not helping them get better, they're, they're going to get frustration and the resentment's going to build, just like you said. Yeah. So maybe that's a good first homework assignment. If you're the box owner, get some kind of a schedule going and take care of your people on all ends of the schedule. Yeah, I would say you have ready. to, in, in all for evaluations, if you, if you don't have an evaluation tool, I've got plenty, James has plenty that you can use while watching your, your coaching staff. But I'd say if you're a box owner, you know, like James just said, find that schedule where maybe once every two to four weeks, you're at least watching every person's class and offering them feedback. No brainer, make that happen. Uh, Jay, do you have any other thoughts on wanting versus deciding no Doesn't have to I involve mean, brett it can be just in general no it's just you know i think if you're the type of person that decides you're the type of person that's an entrepreneur you know and one of my first meetings with sasha my mentor things that he would say that really resonated with me you know where when you decide to be an entrepreneur it's this feeling of exhilaration and joy and and happiness and then it very quickly turns into this feeling of absolute fear. And that fear is you realizing I'm responsible for myself now. Like no one else is paying my bills. No one else is making sure I get a paycheck in the mail every two weeks. I'm responsible. And when you decide to be that type of person, it's hard sometimes to surround yourself with people that don't think that way. And, and that's really what it was, I think, with Brett. And not just Brett, other people as well. But I was that type of person and Brett clearly wasn't. So it would just be when I when he would tell me things like, I'm gonna open or I'm gonna do this, it's like, dude, then effing do it. Like, but I'm sick of hearing you. It's like the boy who cried wolf syndrome. So, you know, that's really where where this comes from. And and it's cool. I don't need you to ever do that. I don't have any more or less respect for you if you decide to open your own gym but it's driving me crazy to hear that you're going to one day. And, you know, and, and that's the same in, in anything. We all have those people like, Oh, one day, you know, it's like when I have enough money, when I have, when I have time off, when I have this, when I have that, no, just do it. I, I, I think the term from that they use on shark tank all the time is uh, the entrepreneur. Yes. Like you're not going to actually go and do it. You're just going to talk about it all the time or do it kind of half-assed a little bit. And, and, you know, I, I also sometimes forget that that's not the norm. That's not typical behavior. We're not brought up in elementary school and high school and college saying, hey, you know, don't go get a job, figure it out and make money yourself. 
So it's hard. I think that's changing these days. But, you know, as someone, I, I guess, like, in retrospect, all these years later, like, I truly accidentally have always done that, which is why sometimes I, A, have little patience for people that complain by not doing it, but also always encourage people to do it. Whenever someone asks me, you know, I wanted to do this, I want to open a gym, I want to do that. Even an ex-girlfriend of mine who had a really secure job for New York State and when we first started dating, wanted to be a yoga teacher, I was like, quit that job, become a yoga teacher. And, you know, and I don't know if she still is, but at least the time we were together, you know, that's what she did. She was, she, she made it work. Like she wound up making more money as a yoga teacher than she was making for the state. So sometimes you just need that kick in the ass. You know, it's funny, Joanna and I are having the same conversation with her. <laughs> she's, she's always talking about how, how fun it'd be to have like a little coffee shop, a little coffee and tea shop. And I'm like, 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 do it. Let's do it. I'll help you. Like, like you hate this nursing gig and whatnot. And from what it sounds like, it's, it's hell. Like, if, yeah, you know, I mean, you're happy doing this other thing. And for the record, those that don't know James personal life, Joanna's his longtime girlfriend. Yeah. So, but she's a nurse and I'm sure she's a great nurse, you know? And, and the other thing is like, Hey, that job will be there in 10 years. If you don't like this, if it, if it fails, cool. You have this fallback plan. And if it's wildly successful, even better. Yeah. There's never going to be a short of shortage of nurses or a need right. for it. But the problem is if she does that on the side, she's always got her fallback plan. Like some people need to, you know, there's a great episode of the office where Andy wants to become a star and he literally takes a shit on the, on the owner's car. I don't know if you remember that episode. I don't remember that one. No. It's like one of the very last episodes, like before he goes on like the American Idol type singing show. And he's like, I needed to burn my bridges. Like if I knew I can come back here, I would never give it a hundred percent. You know, Joanna's a smart girl. She's got a support system in you. Like if it fails, it fails, but you got to go for it. Tell her to tell her to open that coffee shop. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know like the, the, like the fear that she has is like, money the bills the things like that you know and i'm a little freer in spending money than she is but it's also it's like it's like we said earlier it's like you only live once and lay out i could die tomorrow i'm not taking any of it with me i'd rather i'd rather buy that plane ticket and have this or have that experience than to have you know the extra couple hundred dollars in my bank account yeah and i mean a job like nursing i can't imagine not enjoying it and having to show up every day you know it's one thing to sit at a desk by yourself and not have to deal with, you know, sick people and people that are, you know, hurting and, and you have to put the smile on your face. So I can't imagine that. Yeah. So Jay, what assignment do you have for maybe the, the average person and, or, or something that can apply to everybody, coach, box owner, athlete, average person on wanting versus deciding? Well, you know, for the box owner, we kind of laid it out in that I want you to go watch everybody's class at least once a month. For everybody else, and the box owner can do this as well, something you, you touched upon earlier, it's that side hustle idea. So I don't need you to start a new side hustle. You don't have to go to flea markets and buy things and sell it on eBay. But my challenge would be, can you find 30 minutes every day to do something you enjoy that maybe is your passion? You know, if you're a coach, can you find 30 minutes to help develop yourself read a CrossFit journal article. Obviously, if you're listening to this book, well done. You've done this task yeah. today, right? But, or, you know, or are you that person that wants to leave their job? Can you find 30 minutes, even if it's just to research 
hey, where should I get my coffee beans if I'm going to open my coffee shop? You know, look at some locations. So chances are, if you live in this modern society, you have 30 minutes, you know, whether it's shut Instagram off for, for a little while, don't watch three episodes of your show on Netflix, only watch two, find, find 30 minutes every day. Perfect. I like it. All right, Jay. Well, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for talking, and uh, we'll, we'll go over Chapter 18 tomorrow. And, Brett, if you're listening, sorry for any mistakes I've made. Hope you're doing well. Yep. Don't travel out to Colorado and by Jay. <laughs> we know you know karate. You will win. Thanks again for listening to that special episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you enjoyed, go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book. You can check out the paperback or even the ebook. We place the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.